we changed the format a little bit. Um, we didn't want to just have a pulpit up here and preach to you. We wanted more so to have a conversation vibe. We were going to set up down there, but we thought it might be harder for the people in the second and third and fourth and fifth and so on rows to be able to see us because um, we're little. And so we wanted to be up here so everyone could see us. And so uh, Cody has something on his heart to share. I have something on my heart to share. Uh, but the way it's going to work is we're probably both going to just continually interrupt each other and just kind of throw at you what the Holy goes. Spirit gives us. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it goes. Uh, at the end of the night, we're going to give you these. Um, it's information about uh, a Blaze summer camp. And so you can take one of these home or you can take multiple of them home. And then on the back, it has something that says stay up to date. It's got a QR code and it has all the different ways to follow Blaze. It has instructions on how to get to like our podcast and stuff like that. On the podcast, we do talk about parenting sometimes. Uh, we're just really led on that. Rachel's a part of the podcast as well. And we're just kind of led in whatever comes across our heart. That's what we talk about on the pod. On so the pod. this is weird. This is very, very weird. weird. But <laughs> without the pulpit there and standing behind it. So we'll go ahead and we'll pray one more time. And then after we pray, we'll just uh, kick it off to Cody. And we'll see where we go. Y'all good? Y'all yeah. have your hearts open? Yeah. Your minds open? Uh, I will say this before we pray. Uh, you know, we've got a wide variety of parents in here, from public school to private school to homeschool. Uh, we have students that are grown, students that are younger. Um, and so, but I believe no matter what area you're in, I do believe that this is going to be applicable to you. Um, so really receive what the Lord has to say. And then also with that said, a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about Probably most of you are doing these things. Yeah. I would encourage you, continue just to do them. Some, for some of you, this may just be pure encouragement. You know, sometimes it's good just to take inventory and be like, okay, we're doing a great job here. Rachel and I say this all the time. We're crushing it, you know, here, <laughs> but we need to get better here. And so a lot of these things, you might be like, yeah, check, 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 check. Uh, so just, uh, but then some things we may talk about, you may not be doing it all. Uh, I will say this. I do believe that the Holy Spirit's put some challenging things on our heart to communicate to you. Um, and, and we have a phrase that we've been saying for years is that anybody could be a parent. There's no form you have to fill out to take that thing home from the hospital. They just kind of give it to you and you leave, right? You just go. Um, there's no qualifications. <laughs> uh, and, but, but to be a good parent, it requires work. Yeah. And that's where a lot of parents fall short. I don't believe anyone in this room. Uh, you know, you work however many hours a week. Uh, you get tired, you have church and extracurricular activities, and when you come home, sometimes you're just ready to sit down and not do anything, but that's when we got to really put on the most important equipment. We put on the hat of parent. We yeah. put on the hat of mom or dad, and uh, you've got that small window, and so I really could keep going. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, <clears throat> we just come right now in the name of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. We thank you that as we steward our children, as we step into this role continually of mom and dad, this role of parent, I thank you for help. Uh, we know that you sent the comforter to help us. You said that we could ask for wisdom and you'd give it to us liberally. So whatever we need to know, to, we already know what we know. Whatever we need to know tonight, reveal that to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask you to download to us tonight some things that we do not know about being parents so we can become better parents. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher. So Cody and I, we fall back onto the Holy Ghost. You're the one qualified and equipped to teach this. So we ask that you would teach this through us. We're vessels just to share what's on your heart tonight, what's on our heart by the Holy Spirit. And so we just connect with you. And we thank you for every single person in here for taking the time to develop 
their ability to parent their children. We ask for all this in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody in agreement said, Amen. Amen. Well, before I get into what I feel like the Lord wanted me to share with you all tonight, I wanted to say that first and foremost, you guys have amazing kids. Mm. For the most part, they are all really, really, really. The most part. I got to, you know, I got to be real with you. I mean, they're not all perfect, but none of them are perfect. But seriously, like, especially in this past year, like the growth that we've seen on the spiritual side of things Mm. has been extraordinary. It's been awesome to see them grow in just this past year. For a little while there, it was low-key depressing (laughs) at times, but I don't know what it was. It was just, you know, the the throes of life or whatever, but within this past year, there's been a huge jump in maturity in our youth group, and it is constantly growing and growing week in and week out. So if you are feeling a little bit discouraged, feel encouraged by that, (laughs) that your, your children are responding to the Holy Spirit when he's in the room. Amen. And, and, and the word that's being taught on Wednesdays, I feel like there's being clicks and things shifting in their mind as we are preaching and teaching them uh, week in and week out. Yeah. So I wanted to encourage you guys in that, that you are doing good. Yes. You're, you're getting them here and they're getting fed the word and they are growing in the things of God. Amen. Amen. Um, but what I really wanted to jump into tonight, and uh, I hope that no one will feel like like Robert said, this is just something that we hear all the time, but this is what I feel like the Lord wanted to emphasize to you all was being a parent in 2024 is part of your purpose. Amen. Being a parent in this day and time with what these teenagers are going through on a daily basis, you are called to be their parent in this time. Mm. There is divine equipment from the Lord for you in this hour to help parent your children. Amen. And I think that it's we as parents recognize that, yes, we are called to be doctors and lawyers and engineers and construction workers or this, that, and the other. Or maybe we have ministry callings and, or whatever it looks like. I believe that our highest and greatest purpose is the purpose that happens within our four walls Amen. in our home. Um, me being a husband, that's one of my, my greatest uh, achievements. My, my biggest prize was my <laughs> wife. Uh, but I love being a husband. But then once I started having kids, I, I love being a dad. And it's something that I, I want to never stop loving, never stop love doing. And I believe that, again, that is what I feel is my greatest purpose is the ministry or the purpose I have within my four walls. And so I feel like the Lord want to emphasize that tonight, that you are created for this. Mm. You know, we know Ephesians 2.10, what it talks about, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, we know when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, which I believe everyone in this room is born again, that now you've been created anew. You've been made more into his likeness and in his image. So the purpose that's on your life to be a parent You are now being made into the image, the perfect image that God saw you to be as a parent for your children. Again, you are called to be a parent in 2024, but they're also called to be servants of God in 2024. They are navigating this life. They're navigating social media. They are navigating social issues. They are navigating bullying. They are navigating mental health. They are navigating all sorts of things, and it's coming at them very, very fast. But, again, they are called for this time. So don't be discouraged in the fact that, like, you know, there's, no, there's nothing we can do. There's too much of the world. We can't do anything about it. No, they're called to live in this hour, too. 
So we can't let the enemy or the world distract them from their purpose, and we can't let the enemy of the world distract us from our purpose to set them up for success in this life because they're called for this time. And since they are called for this time, you are also called for this time. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. When you call on me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. You seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, obviously, contextually, this is not talking about being a parent, but I know that God is not a respecter of persons. And since you've been called for this, he's not going to make you do this all by yourself. Amen. That's true. You've been predestined for these good works, like it talks about in Ephesians 2.10. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen automatically. He's preordained. He's put these things out there. But we have to set ourselves to seek the one who has the answers to help us with these works. We have to seek God to help us with our children, to, to navigate these issues. Now, again, everyone's circumstance is completely different. There are some people in, in here that have a, a, a normal or, I guess, the ideal family of a, a father and a mother in a home together. Or maybe in some situations, there's not even a, father, a bio mom or a bio uh, father in the room. Maybe you're an aunt or an uncle or just a guardian. Or maybe you're a grandparent or maybe you're a stepmother. I don't know what the situation looks like for you, but you are still called to be the Amen. parent in their life. Amen. Amen. You're made for this. Hmm. You were built, designed to be this. God entrusted you with the care of these beautiful, scary little creatures. (laughs) (laughs) They are wonderful and scary all at the same time. (laughs) But you were made for it. Yeah. And I think that that's so amazing. I love that in Jeremiah 29 because we don't really, we always talk about the plans, how we're made for the plans, but we never think about what comes after that. It's like, when you seek me, you'll find me. When, when you pray to me, he's going to hear him. He's going to hear us. So, so God is saying, you're not in this alone. When you need answers, when you need insight, when you need encouragement, you seek the Father and he's the one that's going to light the path. He's the Amen. one that's going to give you the plan. He's the one that's going to give you the right words to say. And even if you don't know the right words to say in the moment, your presence of being there, I believe, speaks volumes to your teenagers. Amen. Don't let that fall at the wayside. Don't let it be too simple. And the biggest thing here that I feel like God is trying to say is don't give up on them. Hmm. Don't give up on your purpose. Don't give up on their purpose. Stick with them just like he's stuck with you. Amen? Amen. Proverbs 22.6, ESV, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. In 1 Corinthians 9.24-27, it says, don't, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that I might, otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So, this right here, training up a child in the way they should go, so when they're old, they will not depart from it. That's the idea. That's the goal, is that we have to teach and guide and lead our children so that way they serve God the rest of the days of their life. But over here in 1 Corinthians 9, it leads me to believe that every single day we have to wake up with that purpose in mind of I get to be dad today. I've got to be dad today. 
or I've got to be mom today, or, or I've got to be the guardian today. I've got to steward this, ch- this child and lead them in the way that they're supposed to go every single day. We wake up with the purpose of our purpose. You know what I mean? Like we have to wake up with the desire to, to do this parent Amen. job. Amen. And, and to be about it, to make it a part of who we are, to, 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 to fully take it in and say, I'm going to do this today. Because there's days when we wake up and like, I yeah. do not want to do this today. Yeah, that's what I, I, I want to sleep in today. I do not want to wake up today. I do not want to make you breakfast today. I do not want to take you in the car today. I want to go home. I want to play. My, I want to do anything else. <laughs> but we have to recognize that they need us. Yeah. They need us. And, and what I've noticed in my brief time of parenthood, I understand that, to be completely real with you guys, I don't have teenagers of my own in my home just yet, but, but they, I can already tell. They know whether I'm present or not. They feel when I am with them or not. There's been many a time where I'm hanging out with my kids and I, I pull out my phone and I'm just trying to just distract myself till bedtime. You know what I mean? <laughs> just to get them to bed so I can go watch my own shows. I'm tired of watching Bluey. Actually, I'm not. I love Bluey. <laughs> yeah, Bluey's fun. <laughs> Actually, I will watch Bluey any day of the week. Um, but <laughs> it's so good. It's so cute. It's amazing. But they know. They recognize when dad wants to be there. And, and there are days when I fall short, just like all of you. But every single day is a new day to be the best dad. Every single day is a new day to be the best mom. Every single day is a new day to follow after God a little bit better so they can see you follow after God. When we are present with God, they're noticing. And I think that that's something that I feel like the Lord is trying to also emphasize tonight is they are watching us. So if we are serious about what we are called to, when we wake up, recognizing that, hey, I need my God time. I need to crack open my Bible today. I need to pray today. Like they need to see that we have that desire within us or that need within us that we actually do it in front of them and telling on myself, I should do a lot better. <laughs> I need to open my Bible more in front of my children. I need to, my instinct needs to be to pray instead of freak out <laughs> uh, or, or Google search for the answer as opposed to pray for the answer. Um, Am I just the only one in here? I see if you guys all just stare. Am I the only one that's like, I forgot to pray today? I forgot to read my Bible. I forgot to read my Bible today. Like, no, like, we can all do better. Amen. And that, that's what I feel like the Lord is trying to emphasize, that we have this purpose, that we need to be about this purpose. Amen. Because our children are watching. Yeah. Psalm 127.3, these awful little children are a gift from the Lord. Oh, sorry, these children are... <laughs> <laughs> These wonderful children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Yeah. So we should see them as that. Yeah. These wonderful, beautiful little people that quite aren't beautiful yet. <laughs> but it's like God. Like he sees us in our mess. He sees us where we're at, but he knows who we're supposed to be. And I believe that when we look at our kids, I hope and pray that, that we see them where, we're, where they're at, but we know who they're supposed to be. Amen. And we love them where they're at, regardless of their struggle, regardless of what they've given into, regardless of what they've done, maybe the way they've even treated us or said things to us or, or said things about us or maybe things that they've hidden from us or whatever, you know, they are still not too far away. They're not too far gone. 
there's still a way to get to where God wants them to be. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 6, 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and the instruction that comes from the Lord. When this word discipline in the Greek here just literally means training or instruction. Um, you know, when I think of discipline, my mind immediately goes to like, you did something wrong. You're being disciplined. You got to be punished. And so obviously my, my, my thought there is like, oh, we're supposed to discipline our children and then instruct them. But no, th- this discipline just literally means to train them to instruct them, to guide them. Now, there will be discipline, and there should be discipline at times when, it, when it's needed, but, but simply we need to view every opportunity as a way to train our children Amen. in the things of God, Amen. to teach them in the things of God. We're showing them what it looks like to be a representative of Jesus Christ. And right now, unfortunately, I think that that's kind of where we're at in society is there, there's a lot of people that are really good at going to church on Sunday, maybe sometimes on Wednesday, or you know this service here and there. I'm not trying to say you have to be at every single service out there, but what I'm saying is that right now society is really good at checking the box, doing the time card, checking that thing off the list, saying I got my God time in. I did. I went up to the social club. I said hey to Lamar when he yelled at me. <laughs> you know, like I did that. I did. You know what I mean? But like, it's more than just Sunday and Wednesday. And right now, I think a lot of my generation and younger, they've been a little bit burned by the things of God because there's a lot of Sunday, Wednesday Christians, but there's not a lot of Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday Christians. There's not a lot of people that are living this life for God. And when I was thinking about this, I feel like the Lord brought out Matthew 6, 1 through 6 out of the NIV. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward for your Father in heaven. When, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. But truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites that love to stand in the street synagogues and pray on the street corners to see, be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. If we only come to church on Sunday, or we only come on Wednesday, and that is the only time that we are actually serving God, or the only time that we're actually praising God, or the only time that we're actually seeking God, and our children are watching that. And I can guarantee that's the only time they're going to worship God. It's the only time they're going to serve God. It's the only time they're going to talk to God. And, and they need God way more than Sunday and Wednesday. Amen. You need God way more than Sunday and Wednesday. We all need God Amen. way more than Sunday and Wednesday. God wants to be actively involved in every part of our life. And he wants to be actively involved in our children's lives as well. I don't want to raise up Sunday and Wednesday Christians. I want to raise up everyday Christians. Amen. Amen. Everyday believers following after God and what he wants for their life. Amen. We don't just pray to be seen, which I believe, again, hopefully no one, it's not applying to anyone in the room. Again, this is just encouragement tonight, and I hope that I'm not, I'm not throwing any condemnation or shade. It's just we can all do a little bit better. We can all be better. And our children are watching and our children are seeing. And, and there's, there has been 
comments and, and things that I've heard, you know, from, from some students, but also, again, just kind of getting the pulse of society right now, and, and, and they feel like it's fake to see adults say that they believe in Jesus, but don't actually live after the teachings that he gives. And we want to change that. And I believe that you do too. That's why you're in the room tonight. Amen? So Philippians 1.6, it says, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And Philippians 4.9 says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. I love this so much because, for one, it puts a lot of pressure off me to be complete in, in, in my own strength into what God has already started in me because he was the one that gave me salvation. He was the one that created me new in Jesus Christ. He is the one that gave me this purpose. So since he called me, he's going to see it to completion. I still got to do the work and be with God and follow after him, but he is the one that's going to make this possible. He is the one that's going to give me the tools that I need to complete my calling in this life. But also in 410, it says, put these things into practice, all these things that we've learned, all these things that we've heard, all these things that have come into our lives, but they have to be because we were getting in the face of God. This word that we get from the word or this word that we get from messages, we don't just hear it, but we start to do it. Amen. You know, we're all familiar with the book of James. It says, faith without works is dead. So meaning if we truly believe what we are talking about here, then we're going to start living it. And that's what people want to see, but that's what your, your, your students want to see. They want to know what you believe is also the way that you live. We don't just say Amen. that God is important, but then we make excuses as to why we shouldn't be in the presence of God. We don't just say that reading our Bible is important, but yet... We're always forgetting to read our Bible. <laughs> forgetting. <laughs> Again. They're watching us. Yeah. They, 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 they want to see that the God of peace is with you. In a world that's full of chaos and confusion and, and, and this, that, and the other, they want to come home to a place that's peaceful because they know mom and dad serve God. They know that their, uh, their guardians serve God. They know that their grandma and their grandpa serve God, that their aunts and uncles serve. The, the, the adults, the guardians in their lives are not just hearing the things of God, but they're doing the things of God. They're yeah. putting it into practice. Maybe we're not getting it all perfect. And I think that that's something that they also want to hear is that we're not going to hit it 100 all the time. You know, sometimes we miss God. Or, again, maybe... We, we tell them, like, yeah, dad didn't read his Bible today because dad just didn't want to, and I, I'm going to do better tomorrow. I think they want to hear that. I think they want to know that you're being transparent with them, that you're being authentic and real, that even as dad, uh, however age we are in the room, for me, myself, I'm about to be 34, but even as a 34-year-old man, <laughs> boy, <laughs> I feel like a boy. I still feel like a, t a teenager in an adult body that's got adult responsibilities. Guys, like, I've been coming to youth since 14 years old, 2004. This guy <laughs> just wouldn't let me leave. He just put his claws in me and just said, you got to stay. Same. But, I mean, they want to know that it's still even hard for us today, but yet we still believe. God hasn't given up on us, and we don't give up on him. Amen? Let's put this stuff into practice. Amen. So the God of peace will be with us. And when the God of peace is with us, since we are the head of our household, it's going to filter down. If God is with us, then he's with our home. 
And we have to be confident in that. We have to believe that. Amen? Amen. And one of the last things I want to get to before I kick it off to Rob is I think that as we are training our children, as we are leading our children in that very similar way of of this authenticity and being transparent about how maybe sometimes it it is a little bit of a struggle to believe God today, or hey, maybe um, it was really hard for me to believe for that miracle, or I didn't quite understand how to believe for that miracle, or I don't understand why that miracle didn't happen in my life. I don't understand why maybe the bills aren't being paid, but but I, I understand that there is a God that I love and I serve and he will see me through to the end. And even though I've fallen, he always picks me up. And I believe that even with our children, we have to extend them that same <clears throat> grace that God extends towards us. Over here in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We all know that Jesus was kind, that Jesus was patient. Now, he was firm on the things that needed to be firm, and we as parents, we got to be the same way. But at the same time, we have to understand that these are children, and they're learning, and they're growing, and they're not going to get it right every single time. And so we can't be quick to judge them in their innocence or in their, in their immaturity or in their growth because they're just getting started. And maybe you're saying, I just got started too. Well, then you're just getting started together. So you're in this together. And, and I think that that's what's great too is that they're not in this alone. We're all growing and learning together. Amen? And Luke 6, 36 through 38 says, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. A lot of time we can use this for, for tithes and offering, and I believe that principle still applies, but really this is talking about judgment here and the way that we treat other people. And with our children, if we want them to be merciful towards us, <laughs> if we don't want them to be an unforgiveness towards us, what are we sowing towards them? Are we being graceful with them? Are we being merciful towards them? Are we being kind towards them? Are we being gentle towards them? Are we forgiving them? In the same way that we give towards them, it will come back towards you. It might take some time. And there might be times you're like, they are not being nice to me. Cody said they're going to be nice to me when I'm nice to them, and they are not being nice to me. But eventually, it will. It takes time. It's just like with anything else, seed, time, and harvest. Even in this, we must sow seeds of kindness. We must sow seeds of mercy. We must sow seeds of love and grace, because then that will be what produces in their life. And it might take a long time. But once it's been planted, we just keep watering it and watering it and watering it until it grows. And it will grow. Amen? Amen. John 8, 2 through 11, a very familiar passage. This is the woman caught in adultery. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? 
They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But when Jesus bent down and started right on the ground with his finger, when they kept, asking, kept on questioning him, he straightened up to them and said, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard it began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only, one, only Jesus was left. And when the woman was still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and sin. Now go now and leave your life of sin. And I bring this out to say, because I think a lot of our students, a lot of our students were raised in this church. Not all of them, but a good majority of them are. So they already know the right from the wrong. They know what is sin and what is not. And, and even if maybe they are unsure, I know that they know the Holy Spirit. And so they already are feeling on the inside of them when they do something wrong. There is a helper, a comforter, a strengthener, an advocate, a friend that is trying to tell them, hey, you done messed up. And we as parents, while yes, they messed up, we have to figure out a way to not condemn them in their mistakes, to not hold it over their head in their mistakes to let them know like, yeah, maybe you did mess up. Maybe you did indulge in that temptation. Maybe you were living in such a way that was not honoring God. Or maybe you did something to your body that you shouldn't have. Maybe you gave into some thoughts that you know are not right. But I'm telling you, I love you. I see you. I do not condemn you. We can go from this place and sin no more. We're not excusing the sin. We're not trying to say that the sin is okay, but what we are saying is that we will get through this together. And I think that that's what Jesus was like kind of communicating to her. He was still with her in the middle of her sin, in the middle of her wrong. This woman knew that she was caught, she was caught in adultery. Like she knew that she was in the wrong. The dudes were too. We'll talk about that another time. But the, they were all in the wrong. But for whatever reason, this woman got all of it. But she knew she was in the wrong. She didn't need someone else to tell her she was in the wrong. The world already does a really good job of telling us that we're bad, that we're wrong, that we're doing stuff like in the wrong way possible. We're doing things backwards or whatever. They know. They feel that from every area of their life already. They don't need it from their own home. Again, I'm not excusing the sin. I'm not trying to say that sin is good and that we should sweep it under the rug. But what I'm saying is we must treat them with compassion and help them through their sin, not beat them over the head with it. Amen? Ephesians 4.32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Again, These are a few of the things that I really wanted to hit on. I wanted to hit on that you are purposed by God to be a parent, that we should be authentic in our own relationship with God. Let's not put on a show. Let's not play church, but let's be the church, especially in our own homes. Let's show them what it looks like to live a life that is worth living. That's the abundant life, in my best opinion, to John 10, 10 life. I want to live a life that God has for me, and I want to do it with my whole heart. Even when I mess up, I'm still living the life that God called me to. That's not who, my sin is not who I am. My mistake's not who I am. I am called by God. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. 
I don't identify with anything else other than who God has created me to be. And so same with our children. As we are authentic with him, we must extend that same grace towards them. Don't let them identify with their sin. Don't let them identify with their temptation. Don't let them identify with their mistakes. Let them identify, show them to identify, teach them to identify as a child of the Most High. We, as parents, we cannot change our children, but we can consistently lead them and direct them and show them and teach them and point them in the direction of the one who can, and that's Jesus Christ. We do that with our words, we do that with our actions, and we do that with our entire being. Like the book of Colossians says, let everything that we do give honor and glory to God. So as we lead our children in our daily life, let's be cognizant, let's be aware of, and what I'm doing right now, am I glorifying God or am I not? Am I serving after my own wants and my own desires or am I serving after what God desires? Am I doing what's in the best interest of my children or am I doing the best interest for Cody? Let's extend that same grace to them, also to ourselves, but also remind ourselves that we are purposed for this. We can do this through the help of the Holy Spirit. We are called for this, and they need us. We cannot give up on them. We cannot give up on our purpose. Amen? Amen. Rob? Um, So Cody and I didn't compare notes, but a lot of this stuff kind of goes together, so there might be some redundancies in here. Uh, If you brought a pen and paper with you, or you're taking notes on your phone, I want you to write these down. Um, As we were praying about it, uh, and I say we, Rachel and myself, because I did collaborate with her on these notes, um, the Lord gave us six natural things and six spiritual things that we're going to address tonight. Um, Number one, Cody mentioned it, is be, so we're going to, I'm going to hit the natural first and then the spiritual, and you may say, well, some of these are kind of both spiritual and natural. I just broke them down into uh, a different list because that helps me, all right? And so I want to look at these six natural things and then six, and you're like, man, we're going to be here all night. I'll go fast, all right? (laughs) So don't worry about that. So number one, in the natural things. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I always get told to slow down. That's just not going to happen, I guess. But uh, so natural things, let's start with those. Number one, be present. Cody said it. Uh, It's really easy sometimes to check out. Uh, but, you know, and in all these natural things and spiritual things, I believe that I went to the perfect father to get these. And look at your life. When has God ever left you? Never leaves us. Never forsakes us. Be present. When it comes to teenagers, this one's a little tricky. We've got an older one now. He's starting to do his little thing where he likes to go to his room and stuff like that. Uh, and, and I make myself, he can't push me away. Like I'm going to be here and I'm going to be present. And like in a couple years when you move out, then the presence again, you know, I'll go from parent to advisor, <laughs> you know, even though we never stop being parents, you know, but, uh, just today I went in and, uh, I just laid next to him on his bed and he was like, why are you in here? You know and I'm like? Cause I'm here, son. This is my house. You know, there's nowhere you can go. I'm going to be present. And, uh, and I will say this about being present. And uh, uh, you should know things about your teenagers before we do. Mm. And you won't know things about them if you're not present. If you just come home and they go to your room or their room, ours live in our room. Like sometimes I do like, you know, I, uh, real quick. When I was growing up, my parents' room was sacred. Like you don't go in there. I don't know if there's yeah. monsters. Something's going to get me if I go in there. My children have no such fear. It's like our room is their room. It's just kind of crazy. But like... If you're not present, it's easier to hide things. Mm. 
And parents, never let them hide things from you. That is your child. And when you're present, it makes it all the more difficult. And you're like, well, they're going to get annoyed. Exactly. (laughs) That does not bother me. Let them get annoyed. I have, you know, in the Bible, when you read the Word of God, it doesn't specifically say, but it does say, like, the age of adolescence, according to the Word of God, is usually the age up to 20. In, in, In our society, they think they're of age at 18, but really in the Word of God, it's 20. And so I tell them all the time, like, at 18, we're going to throw you out onto the curb, <laughs> even though we won't, and you're going to be on your own. But I have a small window to be present in your life. Yeah. Don't waste those moments. Mm-hmm. Don't waste those moments. Be present in their life. Number two, be consistent. Mm-hmm. Natural things that we can do. Be consistent. When Rachel and I first took Samuel to our pediatrician, the first thing he told us, he was like, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He, and it's so crazy. The first thing he's telling us is be consistent. Don't, because teenagers are fun, and we have this expression, if you give them an inch, they take a mile. You know, so if you say, if you do this, then X, is, if you do A, then B is going to happen, and they do A and B does not happen, they're going to run you right through the whole alphabet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you need to be consistent, and you need to be firm. Number three uh, Cody mentioned this. Be transparent and be honest. Yeah. Be transparent and be honest. Uh, we love honesty in our house, and we want our children to be honest with us. We, we teach them, if you do something wrong and you come and tell me about it, the punishment will be less severe. If you agree with that, dope. If not, that's fine, too. But that's how it works in our house, and we found out that it inspires honesty. <laughs> you know. And so, But we want them to see that from us. So you've heard me say from the pulpit many times when I've been preaching is, is I want my children to learn what it's like to repent. Mm-hmm. I want them to be comfortable going to God. Yeah. I want them not to, to, to do what Adam and Eve did and hide themselves from God. Yeah. I want them to go to God. Mm. And they learn how to go to their heavenly parent by coming to their natural parent, by yeah. coming to their natural guardian. And so honesty and transparency, it shows them. And we tell our boys all the time, listen, I've never had a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old, so take it easy on me. <laughs> I'm going to miss the mark every once in a while. And just like you want me to be easy on you, be easy with me. Number four, be ready to give an answer or an explanation. I feel like so many parents don't want to give an answer. I grew up this way, and it drove me nuts. And maybe you parent this way. Uh, I'm going to take a giant stone and throw it at you, so just dodge. I do not like saying, just do it because I said so. If you can't give an explanation as to why you're given this commandment, then I don't know you should be given the commandment. And even if the explanation is as simple as I'm teaching you how to respond to authority, you're still given an explanation. I'm teaching you how to come under because we're all under God. And so when I ask you to do the dishes and you say why, I'm teaching you how to respond correctly to authority. Amen. That's good. Give an explanation. Give a definition for the reason why you're doing things. Robert's little brain when I was growing up, and mom and dad said, just do it. That wasn't enough. (laughs) And I rebelled. Because if you can't explain to me why, then there is no why. Mm. You just want control. And so we have to be ready to give an answer. And don't run away from the hard questions. I'm so grateful that we, and if you're in public school, then that's amazing. But I challenge you, like, go at them with the hard questions. 
Do you understand what sex is? Do you understand when the appropriate time is to do that? As parents, explain covenant. Yeah. And why virginity is so important. And if you didn't wait till you got married, there's no condemnation, but explain it to them so they'll want to wait. Yeah. You're going to strike a covenant between a husband and wife, and that's the most powerful thing. Give explanations as to why. My parents just said, don't have sex, it's bad. Well, we all know that's wrong. <laughs> sex is amazing, right? I mean, there's no teenagers or children in here. We can say that. And if it's embarrassing, then I don't apologize. I mean, God's gift to us, right? Yeah. Be fruitful and multiply. There's one way to do that, and he made it enjoyable. And so it's getting weird, but just, you know, be willing to give those answers. It's only weird and if you ex- make it weird. Yeah, it's only weird if you make it weird. <laughs> and give those answers. We've told our boys. We, we've sat down. We didn't feel like Christian was old enough yet, but we sat down with Samuel, and we talked to him about sex, and we talked to him about being with his wife, and we said, you're going to enjoy it immensely, but only in God's timing. Amen. He wants you to enjoy it. He made it, but it's got, son, it's got to be done in his timing. Amen. Otherwise, it's a rotten apple. Mm. You don't want that rotten apple, right? So fruit that remains by being honest and being uh, you know, transparent and giving answers. Don't leave the hard questions to be answered by society in school. Mm. Or even your youth pastors. We'll answer them. We're happy to do it. I taught on Covenant at camp one time, and it was so weird. Because, like, and parents, if we came home and they're like, you taught them what? I mean, we, I mean, but anyways, all right, moving on. So, <clears throat> number five, plan family time together. Plan family time together. And stick to it. Plan a Saturday together as a family. And then when they come to you and say, hey, can we go be with our friends? No, we plan this day together. You've got the rest of your life to be with friends. But right now is mom and dad time. And I'm going to take you and put you in my pocket, your little <laughs> nugget, and you're going to the park with me, all right? <laughs> Teenagers don't go to the park, but whatever. All right, so, and then number six, <clears throat> know them. Yeah. Know them. Can I just tell you something, parents? If you want to know what's going on in your child's life, Ask them. And if they don't tell you, get a bigger shovel and dig harder. Keep asking. (laughs) Just keep asking. Bug the truth. If you'll get them talking, it'll reveal the heart. We all know that. Mm -hmm. Ask them. Get to, do you know your children? Do you know your teenagers? We, we, Rachel's reading Five Love Languages, the children edition, I think. And uh, we took that, we had our boys take the test, and then we took it for them. And we were, we knew their top love languages. And I was so proud. And I even told Rachel, I was like, we're winning as parents. You know, <laughs> I knew what they like. <clears throat> no, does God know you? Yeah. It's not rhetorical. You can shout it out. Does God know you? Yes. He knows his children. You should know yours. Yeah. Know what they like and don't like. And then whether it's bluey, you know, we found interest in it even if I wasn't interested in it. Yeah. I'm going to find this common ground. What, and now we're in the fun stages. They like video games and sign me up. You know, <laughs> video games all day, every day. But at the beginning, it wasn't so easy. We had to, you know, put down and suppress what I wanted to do because of what they enjoyed. Yeah. Amen. And it's not saying that your children run your life. You know, that's the way, uh, you know, my parents were like, children is like a suitcase you throw in the trunk and you take it with you wherever you need to go, right? And if it makes too much noise, you scold it. You know, that's the way we grew up. You know, you're along for the ride and that is it. But I'm just saying, make plans to do stuff as a family. Amen. That's good. Even if it's eating dinner together. 
Make plans. So those are the six natural things. Now, six spiritual things. Number one, be their leader in all things spiritual. Be their leader in prayer. Be their leader in reading the Bible. Be their leader. Be the leader. Don't let school lead them. Don't let their friends lead them. You be their leader. Number two, teach them, and most importantly, teach them the word. Teach them, and most importantly, teach them the word. Rachel and I have scheduled Bible studies with our children. And we're going to talk about resources here in a moment. What's the one we use? I forget. Not consumed is what we use right now. You can write that in your notes if you're taking notes. Not consumed is a wonderful resource. Uh, we're doing the Bible studies. I'm like, dang, that's fire. That's so good. I told Rachel, I was like, coming to a sermon near you because it's really good. But we sit down and we teach them the word. You are their greatest teacher. Yeah. You are their greatest teacher. Children and teenagers are simple. You all ready for this? They observe, they learn, they display. They observe, they learn, they display. Judge Judy, one of my favorite people on the whole planet. I would vote for her president tomorrow. <laughs> but she says this. She said, children learn at home and display at school, not the other way around. Children learn at home and display at school, not the other way around. Yeah. Society's gotten really comfortable at just throwing children at the school system and say, teach them everything, because we're hands-off. Parents, we should be the most hands-on we can possibly be. Here in a moment when we get to that definition of training, when I was praying, the Lord showed me that training your child is like putting your hands on their heart. And the example he gave me is when you're kneading dough. Rachel taught me that phrase. <laughs> Do you know what kneading dough is? K-N-E-E-D-I-N-G. Nailed it, first try. <laughs> But when you're kneading dough, you've got it on the table, you've got it on the counter. Is it kneading? Is that the right word? Sure. Okay, y'all looking at me like, I don't know what kneading is. I know. She taught me what kneading is, okay? I know what it is. I was is. just trying to make sure you spelled it right. I, was I don't like, know. I don't think it's like, there's got to be a K. Otherwise, it's just needy. Oh, anyway, so. You're doing great. You're doing great. Thanks, Dad. So you, you take the dough. You put it on the counter, and you start kneading it. In other words, you're working it. We're going to have a kneading lesson after this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to go. put dough right here on the carpet. But you're kneading it, and what you're doing with that dough is you're working it until it gets to a place for the next step. Mm. You are to teach them, and you're putting your hands on their hearts, and you're working their heart, and you're working their life, getting them ready for the next step. We just made homemade pizza a couple weeks ago, and Rachel was kneading the dough, and the boys were helping her. We put flour on the counter, and we kneaded it for a minute, and then we stepped back and looked at it, and we knew it wasn't ready yet. So what do we have to do? We had to put our hands back on it. Get your hands in their lives. Need the heart. Work the heart. What number was that? Two. Jeez. All right. Number three. <laughs> Gee. All right. Let's roll. Number three. <laughs> you got it. Show them how to live by the word. Amen. Cody alluded that. Number four. And we're going to get into this one pretty heavy. Is it number four? Yeah. Discipline them. Discipline them. My dad always said this before he would whoop us. <laughs> and let me say this real quick. Discipline looks different for every family. I really do believe it yeah. does. My oldest son wants a spanking so it can be done and over with. I want 
it to hurt a little bit. So we're not spanking. What, what strikes you at your core? Because that's where dad's shooting. You know, that's where we're going. If it's your iPad, then guess what? You're not seeing that for a week. What, what is, so anyway, seek the Lord. But before my dad would whoop us, he'd sit us down. And sometimes he'd do it with David and I together. Because most of the time, you know, it's just us up there in the mountains. And so we'd get in trouble together. And he'd sit us down. And he would always say this phrase, son, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And in my mind, I'm like, Dad, you are so crazy. You know, how many wooden spoons have you broken on my butt? I'm pretty sure that hurts me more than it hurts you, you know. And then he moved to the leather belt because it don't break, you know. And so, but in my mind, but listen, though, when I had children, I understood what Dad was talking about. And I think a lot of parents don't discipline because of the pain it causes them. Mm. If you get enjoyment out of disciplining your children, then set a counseling session with Rachel and I, and we'll need your heart. But I don't want to discipline my children. It hurts my heart. They're so pitiful, and they're crying, and they're a hot mess, and they look so mopey and so sad, and it just hurts my heart. And I've had, I tell you what, I've had to fight through that, because the easier way is just not to discipline. We can't be lazy in our parenthood. We must do the hard things. And discipline can be a hard thing. Number five, protect them. Prayer's powerful. The word's powerful. Parents, guardians, whoever we're speaking to right now, you are their protector. You should be the cherubim that God put by the Garden of Eden so no one could get in there, you're that cherubim over their garden. And you set yourself there. And you say, no one will get past me. I'm going to tell you a story, and it's going to be really scary. We were talking with somebody the other day, and we just found out, and this is a mature place in here, so I can say something that's going to uh, be weird. We found out that people are using... Uh, AI. AI, thank you. I'm hesitating because I don't want to say what I'm about to say. They're taking girls' pictures from the internet, from TikTok and Instagram and Facebook, plugging it into AI software, and then making sex videos of them. Like young girls, not just Young girls, teenagers. This is going around at high schools. The girl never had sex and never recorded a video, but they're using AI and pictures that they put on the internet to make it look like they had a sex video. Parents, protect your children. Well, everyone's on TikTok. I'm not talking to everyone. I'm talking to you. Well, they're going to get mad at me. Do you want them to be mad at you, or do you want a sex tape of them going around the high school? You know, if it's my cross to bear that my child's mad at me for, and, and, and they're durable. I remember when Samuel was young, and our bed was really high, and he fell off the bed right onto his head. And he was fine. Children are, they're extremely durable. God built them that way, right? Like the most tragic moment. We see this as youth pastors. I listen, y'all. I've been a youth pastor since 2002 right here at Cornerstone World Life Church. I've seen them be devastated by a breakup over a relationship that they got on Monday and now it's Tuesday. And then they're fine by Wednesday. (laughs) This is the life of a teenager which you once were. Right? We had somebody come to us the other day, and they're like, man, junior high students are so annoying. They're a senior high. And I was like, that was you like five years ago. (laughs) 
So if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it, you know. But teenagers are incredibly durable. So the anger that they're throwing at you because you're protecting them, that anger will be gone next week. Because just like there's a special spot in your heart for God and in God's heart for you, guess what? That you have a special spot in their heart and no one can take the place of that. And so if you do, now we're going to talk about don't discipline them under wrath and we're going to get into that and you're all going to be blessed by it. But protect them. Amen. Protect them. Whatever it costs is what it costs. My child's future is more important than my feelings. If, if it's my cross for them to be angry at me, then I'll burden that cross. You just throw your little fit, but you're going to throw it right here in the safe space of our living room. <laughs> right? So we protect them. And then number six, this one's really important. Build a relationship with them. Yeah. Again, I, I put this under the spiritual side because God desires relationship with all of us. And so you should desire that relationship with them as well. You know, the Lord's really been stretching me because at the end of the day, I am tired. I'm just like you. Uh, I'm going to tell myself I'm 43 now. I know I look 12. <laughs> Not anymore. I looked in the mirror yesterday, and I was like, where did all this come from? It's, uh, you know, but anyways, and so, but, you know, you, you just get tired sometimes, and, and you don't want to sit on the edge of their bed at 9 o'clock at night at bedtime and listen to all their stories. You just want to, shh, hush, little baby, go to sleep. <laughs> you know, let's just you go to bed, you know. But you know what I realize is, is when they want to talk, I should be willing to listen, no matter when that is, because I want this relationship. There's, there's no time that I'm aware of when you go to God and he's like, not now. Mm. And so I need to have that mentality. Amen. You know, son, I did it the other night. I sat on the edge of Samuel's bed and he just talked and talked and talked. And then when he was done, he goes, okay, dad, you can leave. <laughs> Apparently our time was over, you know, but I listened and he was willing to talk. And so I just sat there and I listened, all right? And so those are six things. And when we do, or 12 things, six spiritual, six natural, when we do these, it's going to set up our children in a way, because listen, just like in the word of God, we see that the devil's always after the young. Mm. And, and really, in our narcissistic society, if you will, we always think the devil's attacking us. But even when he's coming at you, he's coming at your purpose. Mm. And when he's coming at your children, he's coming at their purpose. It's not so much about your child. It's not so much about you. It's about the purposes of God that's on their life. Amen. And he's always wanting to stop the purpose of God. And so we have to stand in the way of that. I said we have to stand in the way of that. Amen. You are the guardian of that. You're the cherubim at the gate that stands in the way of that. And so what I want to take just the last few moments here and focus on is that, parents, we need to be making disciples of our children. All right? And here's the five best ways. <laughs> that <laughs> I came up with, with the Holy Ghost for us to make disciples, all right? And it goes to the spiritual side things that we talked about. Uh, number one, be their leader. I don't have time to go through all these scriptures. I'm just going to throw one at you real quick. Joshua 24, 15. It says, but if it's unpleasing, this is Joshua. He's getting ready to depart. He's speaking to the Israelites. Some stuff has happened. They've gotten lost in their ways. And this is what he says to them. He's given them this whole thing, and he's bringing them to a place of decision. You need to choose God. And so he stands up and he says, but if it's unpleasing in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers who served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites as whose land you're now living. But as, me, but as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. I love how Joshua is stepping up and making a decision for his house. 
He's not asking the children, is it okay if I lead in this area? He's not calling a family meeting and saying, is it okay with you if we serve the Lord? Is it okay with you if we go to church? Is it okay with you if we read the Bible? Uh, there's been a couple times, uh, we, we have wonderful kids. Our, our children are not to flex, but our children's are really, really good kids. I love our children. But there's been a couple times they don't want to do Bible study. Do I let them make that decision? No. As for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And in our situation, sons, this is what it looks like. Amen? And so we make that decision for them. You must be the leader of your home. A lot of homes across the United States of America are led by children. Thank you for all those amens. <laughs> We're not going to, they don't lead our homes. Yeah. They don't lead our homes. And there's a right way and a wrong way to lead. If you want to know how to lead, follow his example. Mm. Amen. Number two, teach them the word of God. Got some scriptures for you. Just write them down. Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 21. Don't have time uh, to go and read all the things. But it says, teach them to your children. He's talking about the commandments. Psalms chapter 78, verse 4. Psalms 78, verse 4. I like this scripture, so I'm going to take time and read it. We will not hide these truths from our children. Mm. What truths? The truths of God's word. Don't hide those from your children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of our Lord about the power in his mighty wonders. We don't have time to look at it, but I encourage you when you get home, write this down in your notes. Go home and read Exodus chapter 13. And it's about the festivals that God is having them set up to remember how he delivered them. And when he's talking about the festival of the unleavened bread, and then he's talking about the festival of the dedication of the firstborn, and, and every time he's given these instructions to celebrate the goodness of God, he leaves with this. When you're doing this, tell your children this is why. Tell your children that we're doing this because God delivered us out of Egypt. With a mighty hand, he brought us out of slavery. And so now we're celebrating that. And as I read that, this is what the Lord told me, your testimony is powerful. He was telling the Israelites in Exodus chapter 13, share your testimony of how I delivered you. Share your testimony of how I brought you out. Share your testimony of how I kept you in the wilderness and I fed you and I provided you. And even all the giants that are in the land, I protected you against them. Share your testimony for it's powerful. Amen. We all have a past. We all have a history. God has delivered and saved you from something. Have you told your children about it? Rachel and I do this all the time. Those family days that we do plan, and when we go as a family, we always tell them, we get to do this because of God. We share our testimony. We couldn't do this without him. Give thanks to the Lord. He's blessed us. He's the one that's taking care of us. And share your testimony like God instructed the Israelites to do because there's power in what God has brought you through. Amen. And it shows them yeah. he can bring them through too. Amen. Whatever they're facing at school, which is always... Code red, <laughs> you know, the worst thing, right? And so the next one, number three, show them how to live by the word. We know these scriptures, James chapter 1, 22. Don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Friends, don't just tell them to live by the word. Show them yeah. to live by the word. Proverbs 22, 6, it says, train up a child in the way to go. Cody showed that scripture. When he's old, he will not depart it. Uh, and so we have to train, hands on. Yeah. Amen, hands on. Number four, and this is the one where we're going to spend most of the time uh, in our few moments, uh, discipline them. Scriptures for you, Proverbs 29, 15. A rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself 
disgraces his mother. What that's saying is when we don't discipline, that's what left to themselves is. I want to read this. Left to himself means the condition of one who's been pampered and indulged. Left to himself is one who's been pampered and indulged. I really like what one commentary wrote down. He said, left to himself means allowed to wander unchecked as a wild donkey. But he didn't say donkey. Mm. I was going to say the word, but I just can't bring myself (laughs) to do it. My son would correct me. He'd be like, ooh, dad. Uh, He said this, left to himself means allowed to wander unchecked as a wild donkey. So let me tell you this. If we leave them unchecked and we don't discipline, not only will they wander as wild donkeys in our house, but then when they grow up in this world, they'll wander like wild donkeys. Mm. You can watch the news and TikTok and all that stuff, and it's a whole bunch of grown donkeys out there. Because things went unchecked for a long time. Over in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, is at that time... Adonijah, I think that's how you say his name, Adoniah, Adoniah, we'll go with that. (laughs) David's son, by that person right there, began to exalt himself, saying, I will be king, and acquired chariots and horsemen of 50 men to run ahead of him. His father never once reprimanded him by saying, why do you act this way? So David has two sons. Solomon's about to take the throne and be the king. And then he's got this other son who he never disciplined. David's greatest error. And now that son who was never dis- who ran around his whole childhood and now his whole adulthood acting like a wild donkey because David never disciplined him. David never checked him. We have to check our children. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 Cody read this. It says and you fathers do not live I know we've got so many different Individuals in here that are playing the role of parent, not playing, forgive me, doing the role of parent. But there is something to be said. Fathers, don't let the mothers be the only ones that discipline. Mm-hmm. Thank you, man, for all those amens. Amen. <laughs> Doesn't roll up on mom. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Now, if there's not a father, then mother's got to be father and mother. And if yeah. there's not a mother, then father's got to be mother and father. And you can do it with the help of God. Amen. You can do it. So if you're missing one half of the relationship, that doesn't mean that you don't correct. You just have to step into that role. Amen. And we have, of the teenagers, we have single fathers and we have single mothers. And sometimes dad has to be mom and sometimes mom has to be dad. And you can step into that by the grace of God. But here he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So three keys to discipline from this verse. Real quick, three keys to discipline. Do not provoke your child to anger. Listen to me. Write this down if you have time. Do not provoke your child to anger. This happens when you discipline without being disciplined yourself. You provoke your child to anger when you discipline without being disciplined yourself. If you've ever done this, ask for forgiveness. If you've ever done this, I'm about to throw a giant stone. Just move out of the way. I can't stand it at Target and a parent is screaming at their child. 
You're trying to discipline them, but you're not demonstrating any discipline at all. And in the presence of hypocrisy is the void of power. You have no power when you're being hypocritical. This is why God is, not only is he all-powerful, but he's never hypocritical. And so you cannot, another way to say it is when you're disciplining a child, you should have first controlled yourself. My dad used to do this. Woo, we'd do something. He'd get hot, he'd take a moment. And I'm grateful that he did. You should have first controlled yourself. What right have you to say to your child, he needs discipline when you obviously need it yourself? Mm. So we have to be careful. If we, if we just go on a fit of rage and we discipline in a fit of rage, we're going to drive them unto wrath. You're going to provoke them unto wrath. And so we must be very disciplined in our discipline. Rachel and I have never disciplined out of anger. There, there has been one time where I yelled at Samuel and I immediately apologized and asked him to forgive me. I said, that was inappropriate. Dad should not have popped off like that. Forgive me. Now here comes a spanking. <laughs> Don't let the guilt of your mistake keep you from disciplining. Discipline's still coming. Children are smart. My boys know how to, even though they're good boys, they'll manipulate on a dime. <laughs> Like, I said it on Sunday, and it's true. Like, they are born, and if this offends you, they're born monsters. That's why they need parents, so they don't grow up and continue to be monsters. How dare you talk about beautiful children that way? Come on. They, they poop themselves. That's monster behavior. Like, they, they don't know anything. They, they have to be taught, right? And so we have to be disciplined in our discipline. The next thing in this phrase, so that's number one from this verse. The next thing he said was bring them up. This phrase means to nourish or nurture. How do you bring them up? Nurture them. It's like, it's like you would nourish your own body, right? You, you, you want to, you, you feed your body so you can go and do. Nurture them. Nourish them so they can go and do. It's about disciplining in love. And then he said, number three, in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That word admonition is the same word we find in Hebrews chapter 12 where he said the Lord chasten us. So admonition in the Lord and chastising is the same word. And so God does what? He corrects or chastises those who he loves. He admonishes those who he loves. And so we have to do the same thing. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod. Now, I don't know if you ever noticed it reads this way. Lots of times we've read it out of more modern translation. says whoever spares the rod spoils the child. But more accurately translated, whoever spares the rod hates their child. No one in here hates their child. But when you spare the rod, and now the rod doesn't have to be, for some of us, it might be a switch. It might be a belt. For Rachel and I, it's different. But we do not spare the rod because we don't hate our children. Mm. So we discipline our children. Amen? Amen? So two left. Number five, spiritual things, uh, is protect them. And we talked about that, being the protector. Uh, you, you can go back and you can read, I believe it's Exodus chapter 12. That's where God is uh, getting ready to bring them out of Egypt. And what does he say? He said, every man, go and find a lamb, and you're going to kill this lamb, and you're going to have a feast within your own home, and then you're going to take the blood of it, and you're going to do what? You're going to put it on the doorpost, and you're going to put it above. Basically, at that moment, he was challenging the fathers to be the priest of their family, 
but also the protectors of their family. Because that's what the blood did. Protected from the death angel that came that night. We don't take it that serious, but you protect them from the death angel that is constant. The devil wants to kill them. He'd be more than happy to. So as parents, protectors, we've got to put the blood on the doorpost. And you know there's spiritual ways to do that. You pray for them, you intercede for them, you train them, you teach them, you, 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 take, you do the hard things when necessary. Well, all my friends are on this site. That's great for your friends. But your friends' parents are not your parents. And so what we're going to do as a family, come here, son, come here, daughter, let's pray about it. And let's see what the Lord says about it. Let me just throw this in real quick. Do not roll your discipline up on the Lord. Don't use him as your scapegoat. Don't make God look bad to them. Don't make God look bad to them because God is good. And parents will do that lots of times because they want the child to love them and adore them, so they roll all the hard things up onto God. What if we tell them, I care for you. So I'm willing to, I'm going to do this because I love you. God loves you too, but mom and dad love you, so we're going to do this hard thing. And we're going to make this decision, right? And bring them together and pray with them and do it. And then number six, which we said before, is have a relationship. Here's three things I want to challenge you to do to have this relationship. Number one, have conversations. Number two, listen. Listen to your children. Doesn't mean they're always right. Doesn't mean they're in control of the house, but listen to them. You want to know what they're going through? Listen to them. Don't come to me and ask me, what's my child going through? Ask that. Listen. We'll help. You can come to us, and we'll tell you. The first thing I'm probably going to say is, go ask them, (laughs) you know? (laughs) But listen. We can summarize all of this by saying, the youth ministry is a partner with you, but at the end of the day, we're a supplement for what should be happening in the home. Yeah. A supplement. And over my 20-plus years of youth ministry, parents, no one in this room, uh, have tried to take us from the supplement and put us into the lead role. I remember one time at the A-frame, a student was acting up, and the parent came and got me and said, go talk to my son. Go correct him. And I was like, no. If they're disrupting the service, you go talk to them. You discipline them. I'm just a supplement for what you should be doing. I told them that, not you, so you can still smile. (laughs) We're here to help, and we'll help you every single way. We've had tough conversations because we do sometimes find out stuff quicker. Uh, You know, and when students tell us stuff, we we always tell them, uh, you know, okay, you know what's coming next. We're going to talk to mom and dad. We don't hide anything from you guys. We've had tough conversations with parents about sex and and pornography and other stuff because the child confided in us, and we're like, Listen, we're not trying to, uh, you know, we want you to continue to confide in us, but we've got to get mom and dad brought into this. Because really, they're the ones that are qualified to do this. I'm just a supplement, and you can't live off supplements. You need some meat and some bread, right? So we're just supplements. And so those are the things that was on my heart to share with you guys. This came to me very last minute. I wrote it down. This is what they need from you. They need your love, your faith, your wisdom, and your discipline. They need your love, your faith, your wisdom, and your discipline. And they may never tell you that, but they need it, and they need it desperately. Amen.